and welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda. I am your host, and I am here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I am doing okay. And we are also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hello. And Abby. Hey. And we are finishing the Yuri Bearstorm manga. Yay! Woo! That was so pathetic. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna need some more enthusiasm here from the class. Like it wasn't even that. Okay, listeners, that was not a bit. I think it just like somehow we ended up accidentally sounding like the most unenthusiastic sixth graders. <laughs> Ever? Listen, yeah. it's a it's a Thursday. We usually record on a Tuesday. We just feel the weight of the week upon we, our souls. Yeah, we have less you know energy what? That's true. now than that we is very observant, do. actually. All right, now is everyone excited to finish the manga? <laughs> oh, right, you sound it. just like a a good sixth grade class. There we go. We, I like we did we're it. still we sixth graders. Yeah, we're still sixth graders. We haven't moved up a grade yet. So I thought that we had four chapters to do today, but it turns out we have two chapters, bonus pages, and an afterword. And also, I have some supplementary material that we will cover when we finish manga stuff, because I mentioned last episode that I had a bit of an interview with Ikuhara talking about the Yurikuma manga and I have some more stuff to go with that like bit of an interview so we will discuss that after we finish the manga proper radical all right let's get started then great all right we are on chapter 26 Cass tell me about our introductory splash page we are in uh outer space with a hand reaching up to grasp Rhea's pendant and the black space surrounding the hand and the pendant are just filled with, uh, it's just filled with Yuri, with uh, lily flowers. I always said Yuri flowers, space. and I'm like, that is technically correct, but also, goddammit, I speak <laughs> English. I Notably, this... we cannot really tell whose hand this is, because this is the only part of the image. There's not, like, an adjoining part of it, and it's just a hand. When I saw this for the first time... I know I'm very brain poisoned. So the first thing I thought of was hand and lovable hand. <laughs> and I hope you die. I hope we both die. If you've been playing the Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma manga edition drinking game where you take a drink every time we mention No Children by the Mountain Goats. Nice. It's just, it's appropriate. Please continue. <laughs> All right. So on the next page, we get... We're in a flashback. So this is little baby Ginkgo who thinks of herself as a bear. Just just little little toddler Ginkgo being held by Rhea, who she seems quite close to. There's uh, you're, you missed a couple of panels right above that. Oh, I did? Yeah. There's a party being held at a, presumably Rhea's cabin. In yeah. The it's the three of them. They've come over to visit. Uh, Rhea. They are not in Ginko's house. They are at Rhea's house. Mm-hmm. That's what I missed. It's not the panel. It's the uh, text above it, which is very small. And I almost forgot to read. Ten years ago at a party held in the small home in the middle of the woods is the opening lines on the page. So Ginko asks who Kureha is and Rhea clarifies, oh, that's my daughter. She's the same age as you. And Yurika kind of like, you know, goes, hey, where is she? Is she not here? And 
Raya kind of clarifies she's probably playing outside. Oh, uh, another thing from the above panels is that this will be, or at least they say this will be the first time that Kureha and Kureha and Ginko have met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I love that your notes here, Panda, say outside the womb anyway, because prenatal memories are a thing in this manga. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yep. So apparently Raya and Kureha haven't been home in a while. So we find out where... Koreha and Rhea and presumably Koreha's dad have all been. Uh, they've been hunting around the world and they've recently been doing a lot of work in Estonia. Yurieka's like, oh, Estonia, is that a Baltic country? And Rhea confirms that yes, in fact, it, it is a Baltic country. That's got to be like a, a line that's in there for the benefit of like Japanese readers who might be oh, less familiar definitely. with European geography. We're about to learn why the manga has insisted on the Leia spelling for Rhea's name. (laughs) Aha, it's a pun. So I believe this is, yeah, this is uh, Kalai speaking. It took me a minute to figure out which of the two bears was because she and Ginkgo as bears look almost identical. Yeah, Ginkgo kind of starts to try to say Estonia. Yeah, she's very cute. And Kalai knows exactly one word in Estonian, Leia, which means... Find. I mean, I'm just impressed they know one word in Estonian. Like, <laughs> dang, I mean, I... Well, I imagine that what happened is that Kale looked up what Leia means and Probably. found out that it means find in Estonian because she is yeah. obsessed with her. Kale just spending a lot of time on babynames.com or whatever. <laughs> Literally. Estonian is a Southern Finnic language. According to Wikipedia. I was going to say, like, not to, I mean, I don't know a lot about everything in the world, but I didn't realize they had, you know, Estonian was a own language, but it makes sense to be related to kind of Finnish. Yep, all the, all the Balts have their own languages. It's a whole language family. That's so cool. Yep. So, meanwhile, we cut to where Kureha is, and it looks like she's not exactly... Not exactly playing, we'll put it that way. Ginkgo says that she, the forest is calling to her. Someone is waiting for her in that forest. And she has to, she protect. Has to protect them. Yep. It's actually, it's a little difficult to tell if that's supposed to be Ginkgo because the, the box is saying someone is calling for me in that forest and the bits that say, look up and find me and I have to protect them are in two different kind of uh, thought little bubbles. Yeah. So it might be someone else thinking, thinking I have to protect them. Well, the reason I think it is Ginkgo, and I did waver on that when I was making my notes, was that on the next page, we're going to see that Ginkgo has come out to the woods where Kureha is, and it would make sense for her to say that the woods are, the forest is calling to her, which is why she went out there to begin with. Yeah, which, yeah. Speaking of which, Ginkgo shows up with a gun, <laughs> which is like way too big for her little bare body. That's that's a little Casual. too casual. It is a yep. delightful image, this tiny bear Ginkgo with this giant rifle. Yep. So little Kureha, who's been lost in the woods and crying, asks who Ginkgo is and if she came to find her. And Ginkgo says, oh, yeah. Apparently, Kureha got lost on her way home and was very scared by herself. And Ginko goes like, I have no idea how to, go- how to get home either. 
So Korea just starts crying again. She starts wailing. Yup. At which point Ginkgo pats her with a little bear paw and says, at least you're not alone anymore. That is very cute. She doesn't have to worry. She'll she'll stay here with Greyha forever. And the two of them hold hands. Meanwhile, back at the home, the adults are kind of n- have noticed that Kureha's still not back. And Yurieka, I believe, is actually the one who suggests this. She goes like, oh, crap, the forest is dangerous at night. We should organize mm-hmm. a search party. And Rhea is the one who speaks up and points out, hey, uh, the air's different. I think a storm's coming. Oh, no. The metaphor. It has become literal. So literal. So Rhea decides that they can't waste time waiting for the search party to arrive, and she's going to look for them by herself. And while Yurieka protests, Rhea just goes like, it's going to be fine. I know the forest better than everyone else. Yurieka's insistence that there are wild bears out there notwithstanding. Rhea responds to that with, taking care of bears is my job. I love, one, the image of, it's, because it's bear Yurieka saying there are wild bears in the forest, so that's funny. Yes. But also- She's not a wild bear. She's domesticated. (laughs) (laughs) But also, Rhea saying, taking care of bears is my job, considering, like, that Yurieka and Kale are, quote-unquote, both bears. That is cute. I just like that. Unfortunately, Rhea, as she's kind of declaring, taking care of bears is my job, realizes that she should have locked her gun cabinet because her rifle's gone. <laughs> this this whole manga was a gun safety PSA this whole time. Say, it's, it's, you know, gun control, advocating for gun control. <laughs> In all fairness, I feel like it's not out of the ordinary to have thought that a toddler is not going to be able to carry a rifle out of the house. Not not a long gun, definitely. Although, yeah, they don't visit, supposed, you know, a lot. The, there is a reason you are supposed to, one, keep your guns unloaded, and two, keep your cabinet locked yes. at all times when they're mm-hmm. not in use. Uh, in the words of Andre 3000, don't pull your thing out unless you plan to bang. Yeah, my dad had a gun safe that he kept very tightly locked up in his closet uh, when he was alive. I only know my grandpa has a gun because uh, we had to use it once to put down a rabid raccoon. Oh, And aww. yeah, I have never seen where it is kept and I do not know where he keeps the ammunition for it. You can imagine me being a small child and just knowing that there is a very tall safe in the back of my dad's closet and not having any idea what is supposed to be back there. Wow. Yeah, Mm. anyway. So one, the gun's gone. That's bad. Two, Kali's picked this moment to go, oh, hey, Ginko's gone too. (laughs) She must have gotten outside without us noticing, which like props to Ginko, her stealth off the charts she had to get out of the house carrying a rifle a loaded rifle yeah i'm surprised it didn't go off in the house as she was dragging it around she has advantage on her stealth rolls because kale doesn't pay attention to her let's say to be fair (laughs) kale has like a passive perception of like a five exactly (laughs) rough rip speaking of passive perception it has begun to snow 
And poor Kureha is cold and sleepy in the snow, which is a bad, bad, bad thing. And however old the two of them are at this point, I think they're like probably six or seven, five or six, probably. No, because like they mentioned it was this is when Kureha was five. So they're about five years old. Ginko is a very smart five year old because she knows if you go to sleep in the snow, you will die. So she desperately tries to protest you know, to keep Kareha from falling asleep and kind of admonishes her that, you know, you promised we'd be together forever. And Kareha's like, yeah. <laughs> also, Ginko gives a little bear gow gow and it's very cute. Oh, excuse me. That's not Ginko. There is a roaring noise coming from the forest. So things have gone from bad to worst. And Ginko decides, all right, it must be a bear. And she apparently knows enough about this gun to know how to set it up in kind of a sitting position, which honestly, the fact that she knows how to take the safety off a rifle. Alice, that kind of gun would have a safety, right? Yes. Yeah, you know these better than I. So Ginko knows how to turn off a safety. Ginko knows how to set up a rifle on a stand. Ginko knows how to look a living creature in the eyes and pull a trigger. Child Ginko is hardcore. Okay, A, she does not look something in the eyes and pull the trigger because the snow is in the way. But B, I feel like they are probably counting on a Japanese audience not necessarily knowing all of the intricacies of how one would have to fire that gun. Yeah, I, I agree. It's this is This is a plot beat that makes more sense if you assume the audience has little to no knowledge of firearms. Okay. Uh, this is a just a, a, a small, small reminder that one of the things that we've dealt with the whole manga as well as the anime is that Japan doesn't have an Amer like the same kind of like gun culture that we have. Not even in the slightest. Yeah, so like knowing that a safety is a thing even is a thing that I expect basically every American to know and not necessarily something I expect a Japanese viewer to be aware of. So there is some there's some liberty taken here there, but it is still very startling. Yeah. Speaking of startling moments, <laughs> having pulled the trigger to protect Kureha, Ginko asks if the bear is dead, and then she sees a familiar pendant in the snow. Because little Ginko, who is only just now drawn as a human realizes she has just shot Rhea, who was running out there with Kale to find the two of them. <laughs> and in the present, Ginko thinks back that she shot Leia 10 years ago and left her body in the forest and came home alive. Apparently, after the storm ended, all the adults went back into the forest and Rhea's body had already disappeared and they couldn't find it. So she must have been eaten by a wild bear. Which is really grim. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Leaving us on the uh, Estonian phrase, Ma'el Leasind, which I am hoping I'm pronouncing correctly. And I if think any that's, of our... uh, that second word is E-I, so it would be like Ma'el Leasind. Ma'el Leasind. This is where I... I, I have had exactly one Finnish friend, and he is probably, if he is listening to this podcast, reaching through the internet to strangle me. Hello. <laughs> we haven't spoken in over in over ten years. So this is Ginko's crime. 
Yep. I think it's funny that in this, Ginkgo did actually commit a crime. <laughs> yes. Uh, she committed the crime of manslaughter. So Ginkgo reflects on the fact that this is her crime, which will not disappear for a whole eternity. And as she and Kureha float in a starry void of metaphor, she asks Kureha if she remembers everything from back then. And Kureha replies that it wasn't Ginkgo's fault. And she's sure her mother would, and whatever the end of that sentence was supposed to be, Ginkgo cuts her off. And it's notable that while she is saying that to Ginkgo, Kureha is reaching out to try and tie Rhea's pendant around Ginkgo's neck, mm-hmm. which is very sweet. Again, the two of them are floating in a starry void, and the way that they are positioned is like very... It's meant to look like they've just woken up together in bed. Yeah. It's very or, cute. Or they've been laying together in a bed. Yeah, it it's very sweet. And... Ginkgo says not to put it on her, and when Kureha asks where to put the pendant, Ginkgo tells her to put it on a star that is in the metaphor void, and says that this little star should be with its own kind. And Kureha reaches up with her hand, and the pendant flies away, and there's a great flash of light. And we cut back to reality, where Kureha has opened up a secret compartment in the school's flower garden, where her mother's rifle is. I believe we called this the door to friendship or something uh, in a previous oh. recording. Yeah, this is exactly where the door to friendship was in uh, the, in the anime. Mm-hmm. And it's got a gun inside. Guns were your real friends all along. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm making really awful jokes because this is actually pretty tense. <laughs> and it looks like Curry has actually unlocked it using the pendant mm-hmm. and when Koreha asks why the hell there's something like this in the flower garden Ginko explains that Yurieka put it here and it's one of well she doesn't explain that Yurieka put it here but we can surmise that and that it's one of Rhea's mementos so in uh the previous episode Yurieka told Ginko to get another memento of Rhea's that was at the school and apparently it's the gun. <laughs> so uh, there you go. There's a little nameplate on it too. And everything. And there's a oh, little yeah. ammunition box underneath the gun. With <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting touch. Apparently this gun is here in case someone wants to shoot bears with it. So Kuriha does remember that it's her mother's gun. And Ginko agrees and says it's the gun I used to kill her. And hands the rifle to Kuriha. And says, I want you to kill me with it. Like mother, like daughter, I guess. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yep. Um, at which point, again, like mother, like daughter, Kuriha responds, no! And also, I prom- we promised we'd be together forever. So Ginko protests that they are not actually together because Kuriha's a human and she's a bear. And living alone in the bear world is her punishment. And as Kuriha protests and She's still reaching out to take the gun from Ginkgo. And she tells Ginkgo that she loves her and that she's not a criminal bear and she's a human and she's not alone, to which Ginkgo does not immediately reply. And as Kureha reflects on this, she thinks that her words and feelings aren't reaching Ginkgo and that Ginkgo has closed off her heart and asks why Ginkgo won't understand her. Meanwhile, 
Lulu has gone and actually... This is a very Fezzik, you did something right moment. <laughs> Lulu has run off to fetch Sumika to see if Sumika can help Ginkgo heal her closed off heart. And she is dragging her to the school. And as she's dragging her, she says the very meta phrase, use your power as Lady Kuaria to make Ginkgo into a human. Make her a what? <laughs> Sumika. Yeah, make her a what? Simika's <laughs> just like absolutely confused. She's like deeply confused because wrong continuity, Lulu, right idea. <laughs> and she clarifies that this is not I'm sorry. The life trio who are just actually here in spirit form pop into existence and say that is not possible. And Life Sexy chides Lulu and says, Isn't it arrogant of you to try and change someone for your own convenience? Wow! <laughs> I love Lulu's reaction. She just goes, what? <laughs> she rolls with it because Lulu rolls with everything, but also. She goes, and here in post, this is where I'm going to insert a uh, sound of Waluigi going, wow! <laughs> Excellent. 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 Life Cool kind of chimes in and, and tells Lulu that if you try to force someone to open up to you, they'll just shut you out. And Life Beauty reminds her that. Ginkgo doesn't want to be human, so you should just give up. <laughs> They're very helpful. Exactly as helpful as their anime counterparts. Good job, boys. Well, that's true. So the trio kind of tell Lulu and Sumika that people's hearts only open up when the person themselves wants them to open. So Ginkgo can only live as a bear, which is paired with an image of Ginkgo holding the rifle. And... Kuriha pleads with Ginkgo again to come back from the world of bears because she's lonely without her, and pressures her further by saying, aren't you also lonely being by yourself in that world? Ginkgo admits she's lonely, and yoinks away the gun. Or tries to, anyway. Or, or tries to yoink away- no, she's- oh, she's not yoinking away the gun. Excuse me. I am bad at reading panels. Well, I actually also wasn't able to read this panel, so- Kuriha literally pulls the gun so that the barrel is facing her, which takes Ginkgo by surprise, and yells that she won't let Ginkgo be alone. They're gonna shoot the love bullet! Yep. Well, hopefully they don't shoot the love bullet. <laughs> and in that moment, Kuriha declares she will become a bear too, and we get a little shot of her bear form from the anime, standing in a lily field with Ginkgo, who is now... Definitely unable to pull the trigger of that gun because she's wearing the giant paw mittens and those are never going to fit in there. For the record, when I said they were going to fire the love bullet, what I was thinking of was in the anime when they have to like shoot the mirror image of themselves or whatever. Yeah. Oh. And Kureha tells Ginkgo that she's been searching for her ever since they made that promise and she's finally found her and now she'll always be with her. And the two of them lean in to kiss in the bear world. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> right on time. Oh. You, did you just restart it on me? No! It looped. It looped. It, it looped. I had to stop it. <laughs> Panda doesn't miss. I like that you guys are never prepared. <laughs>
I should I be there by now. I have Not used it manga. several times as we've been recording this manga, and you you're never prepared, and that's just really the best for me. <laughs> I'm so mad. That's our girl. All right, next page, please. <laughs> so. The two of them kiss and embrace, and uh, it looks like our problems have been solved through avoiding violence and meeting Ginkgo where she is in the bear world. Ginkgo starts to, like, push Kureha away because she's crying, but then Kureha, like, grabs her face and they hug and it's I so know. sweet. It's so sweet. They are extremely cute. <laughs> they, ki- they finally kissed again. And then we see them as babies. Flashback to their child selves as they both declare, I love you. And there's a little crown of lilies around the words, I love you, which is super cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last page of the chapter is Kuriha noting, hey, everyone's been turned into bears. <laughs> as the two of them are surrounded by Lulu and Sumika's Lady Kumaria and the life trio. And Ginko just goes like, Wait, whoops. <laughs> Essentially, she just goes, Kareha? She's pretty stunned, I feel like, for like the yeah. rest of the manga. I think she's just like, Kareha. Yup. Kareha's genuinely surprised that everyone's a bear. I like Lulu. I don't know what she's doing, but I like it. It's very cute. She's like reaching out her little, her little bear arms and trying mm-hmm. to run toward them, I think. Yeah, it's because Ginkgo and Kureha are their bear forms, and Lulu and the Life Trio are their bear forms, and then Sumika is Lady Kamaria. Yep, Sumika is finally ascended. And yep, the final splash panel is our OT3 holding hands, and they are surrounded by, you are correct in your notes, uh, those are, uh, those are not carnations, they're red camellias. Ah, Yes. Yep. It, it's it's Kareha's flower. Yeah. Oh, duh. I should have remembered that. <laughs> it's okay. Speaking of which, we're in Estonia now. Yeah. Someone who looks like either Kareha or Leia is standing there with a gun. It's not Kareha. It doesn't look like Kareha, no. And a couple of people are running around speaking Estonian, asking, where did she go? And... She, I think this is the person in question thinking, I'm here, find me up here. I'm waiting here in the woods. I wasn't sure what to make of some of the dialogue layout on this page, but you know what? It's it's not very clear. Anyway, they're in Estonia, and we cut to a little storybook page of Bear Kureha and Bear Ginkgo. And the narration for that page says, Then the girl from the moon became a bear. The two bears left the forest and headed out on a journey to the far, far away light. Their hands clasped tightly together. Their adventure into a shining new world had just begun. And it turns out that Lulu has been drawing this this whole time in a little sketchbook, which is super sweet. I, I Yeah, I wrote in my notes that I guess Kale's been giving her art lessons. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Good use of your collie. She finally did something positive for once. I do love that uh, she's also wearing a very different outfit from normal, which is super cute. Very good cottagecore adjacent. I know, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of seems like 
this is a nice little bow to put on the fact that Lulu, uh, in this continuity anyway, had the whole thing of like making up little fantasy stories with her little brother. Yeah. And it looks like she's kind of recaptured that creative energy and she's channeling it to write about her friends, which is super sweet. Yeah, she's basically making an unofficial sequel to Kali's book is what we're going to come to find. Yep, and that's literally what the narration says. And on the next pages, apparently the way she resolved the uh, the bit where the bear ate the moon girl was that it never happened. <laughs> it was all a dream. I love the retcon. It was all a dream. We made that one up. It's false. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> Jonathan Franks tells you you're wrong for 20 minutes but for that, for that yes. plot point. And she woke her up with true love's kiss. Kureha compliments Lulu's drawings and Ginko, mildly unfairly, says the art's completely different from the first part, even though it's a sequel. So it was just a dream. I do like that as much as I'm, I'm kind of like ribbing Ginko there for it. They do show on the panel just above where she says that, that Kale's line art, like the, the the character designs, for want of a better word, are basically the same. But Lulu's art is a lot softer and kind of more pastel, whereas Kale's mm-hmm. used all these like bold, dark colors and contrasts. It could be like watercolor. Yeah. Yeah, I also think it's interesting how the like, the text blocks that they use for her narration of the story have these kind of ornate borders that we didn't really see before. So it's a little more flowery, a little kind yeah. of frillier, which is very fitting for her. What I was going to say about Ginko's statement about the art being completely different is, yeah, duh, it's different. It's done by a different artist. And you know that. <laughs> it's, yes. <laughs> it's very weird for me that that, that she just says like, the art's really different. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think she's like trying to to rib Lulu a little. But also, I don't think it looks that different aside from, as you guys have pointed out, the lines are not as like stark black and it looks like she's maybe using watercolors. Yeah. She did fixate on this book as a kid, so there's probably yeah. also that. Oh yeah, nothing lives up to the childhood hyperfixation. Mm-hmm, yeah, it- mm-hmm. It's like, there's a lot of other little things, too. Like, if you look at the way um, the pages are ornamented for Kale's pages, the way she's got the little stars is just completely not there in Lulu's drawing. Like, the more I look at the two of them together, the more I'm like, I'm actually impressed that the manga artist got across the idea of... Because both, in real life, both these pages are drawn by the exact same human being, but got across the idea of Kale and Lulu have very distinct artistic expressions of this same style which is kind of i think this manga artist might be talented (laughs) y'all yeah no shit (laughs) yep so you know when ginko asks if it was all just a dream lulu who is now sharing this in the next day in class with the two of them responds who cares also it's not the end there's still lots of adventures for the bears once she wakes up from the dream a truly fun adventure will begin Lulu's franchising this. This is now a children's book series. And Ginko, finally being nice to Lulu for a change, admits that lots of new adventures sounds fun. Yeah. So Kuriha suggests that since spring break starts tomorrow, everyone should go somewhere fun. And Lulu responds, well, you two are already in an amazing world of your own. And Kuriha and Ginko both remember, oh yeah, we perceive everything as bears. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is very funny. And apparently it's really like Kureha's f- perspective is fully shifted to see exactly what Ginkgo is seeing. I know there's like a very, one of you three might know this. There's this very specific term I know in uh, psychology and psychiatry for cases where someone kind of like picks up the same visual kind of delusion from someone else. Folia and apparently de? that's what's happening here. Folia uh, de? Folia de, that's when... It's like a shared delusion. Yeah, it's when two people like are it. deluding each other, yeah. Was that it, or am I, is it something else? I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with that. I know that that is an actual term. I just can't remember if that's the, the medical one. It, Googling it, it's, identif- it's defined as an identical or similar mental disorder affecting two or more individuals, usually the members of a close family. Oh, well, there you go. All right, okay. it is that. Oh, My favorite yeah. Fall Out Boy album. I was going to say, Abby and I both love <laughs> the Fall Out Boy album. And it has bears on the cover. Like, really, it's all just oh like a God, deep I didn't cut. Oh, my God, think about that. <laughs> There's a bear and then the guy in the bear suit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it's just bears all the way down. <laughs> bears really are the Arca and Telos. No. Uh, I was literally about to say that. And we laughed at him. And we will continue to do so. <laughs> we will. Apparently, this particular uh, visual kind of... Delusion seems like a kind of harsh word here, so I'm looking for... Apparently, the shift in Koreha and Ginko's perception is so total that the only person either of them perceives as human is Koreha's mother in pictures of her. And Ginko responds that, yep, you two were the only two humans. And but it's my fault that Leia's dead and that you're a bear now. To which Korea just goes like, "Do you hate me now that I'm a bear?" And Ginkgo is very, very owned by this and has to clarify. Of course, she doesn't. I like that Ginkgo like she starts spiraling about this being all her fault, and then it it's Korea being like, "Wait, do you not like that I'm a bear?" That like snaps her out of it. Yeah, it's very cute. Very cute. It's so cute. And Ginko clarifies she loves Kureha whether she's a bear or a human. And the perspective shifts from their little their little adorable bear forms to the more how do I put this? The definitely appealing to certain people bear forms. <laughs> As the two of them like, go in for a kiss. There's like the bear forms and then the what is it? Kimono Mimi? Kimono Mimi? Yeah. Kimono Mimi. Is- just the human bodies with like little animal attributes. Oh, the Gajinka bear forms, duh. That's what I'm oh, thinking of. That would have been much simpler to say. <laughs> I know. I was like, there's an easier way of saying this, and I can't remember what it is. I'm so bad at this. Oh, I just know Kimono Mimi from fucking Googling stuff about Loveless when I was like 13. <laughs> oh my god, Loveless. There's a manga we need to cover someday. Oh, don't. Wait, Loveless is real? I thought it was just a poster in Final Fantasy VII. No. Okay, I don't, we don't even have time to get into that. Uh, <laughs> Cass, do not even remotely tempt me because I did reread all of what is published in English of Loveless in like 2020. 
Oh my god. Vote on uh, the Patreon for the podcast to see if Bannon should do a podcast. Okay, I, look, I will not lie. If we get even <laughs> one person who responds to this episode by saying that they want to hear us talk about Loveless, I'll do it. You don't need to give me an excuse. I will take it because this manga has been living in my mind rent free for a, over a decade. You and everyone else. <laughs> All, all I can think of is that meme that was going around Twitter about media that made you worse. That's why it was the first, <laughs> when I posted that, that was my first one, is that Loveless made me yep. worse as a human being. I, I, I definitely read some of it, and baby Abby couldn't quite put her finger on it, why it seems so off, and like something didn't sit right with me, and you know, there were many things, many things. <laughs> I will end this Loveless tangent by saying that the reason I started reading Loveless was because I met a girl at church camp and I had a crush on her and she had like pictures that she she slept in one of the top bunks in the cabin and she had pictures that she taped to the ceiling above her bunk so she could look at them and one of them was like a printed out picture of the cover of Loveless Volume 1 and I saw that and I was like... I don't know what this is, but I know it's a manga, and I don't know why I really want to be friends with this girl. So when I went home, it was one of the first things I did was go to a fucking bookstore and pick up volume one. Incredible. <laughs> All right, back to, you. back to Yuri Kuma. <laughs> back to Yuri Kuma now that, we've, now that we've experienced Loveless. Oh, we have not even begun. Ginko and Kureha put their hands together and they look like they're about to move in for a kiss. And there's their hearts are pumping or pounding. And it's, it's very sweet. And Lulu immediately uh, ruins the vibe. <laughs> Spooky action at a distance. <laughs> so Lulu ruins the vibe and... No, it's it's not that Lulu ruins the vibe. It's that they like go in to kiss and then they sort of realize that Lulu's not there yeah lulu's already gone and they just go like hey sounds fun let's all go on a trip where you want to go lulu and they realize she's not there at which point lulu dashes off and going like hey i'm gonna go visit sumika go ahead and start buying the trip i want to go somewhere cute and the three of them promise to be for together forever which is very sweet Mm-hmm. cow cow there's only room for two in his world but there's room for three in mine, Lulu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. So Lulu dashes off, thinking she doesn't want to be a bothersome bear who gets in their way, and congratulating herself for being so clever and kind. It's very cute. Meanwhile, Kureha and Ginkgo are looking at little tourist guides, trying to decide if they want to go somewhere specific, because Ginkgo's rich, so they can kind of go wherever they want. Mm-hmm. And... Kareha asks if Ginko wants to go somewhere in particular, and Ginko says, eh, nowhere that's hot, maybe a place with pretty stars and a forest. And while they are kind of thinking about this, Kareha suggests going overseas, and she notices a tour page for in Estonia, and they realize that in among all the bears, there is a single human. Dun, dun, dun. What a twist. Meanwhile, over at Sumika's place, Lulu has dropped off little teddy bear Milne to ask Sumika to take care of him because she's going on an adventure over spring break. 
And she specifically clarifies she wants Sumika to take care of Bear Milne. And Sumika goes, of course she will. Mitsuko is also there and goes, is there another Milne? And Lulu clarifies, there's Bear Milne. There's also my little brother Milne. He died 10 years ago, though. And I love the way this is drawn, because in the panel where Lulu is clarifying the difference between Bear Milne and regular Milne, everyone is kind of in their bear sonas, and Sumika has taken on the guise of Lady Kumaria. Mm-hmm. And the panel below where Lulu just kind of brings the vibe down by 100% by going, oh, he died 10 years ago, though. Everyone is drawn as humans. It's really powerful. Like, it's very simple, but, like... It's really effective, like kind of breaking through that illusion. Yeah. And, and Arizona's just like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's great. So Lulu clarifies that the two of them are always together, so it's fine. And, you know, when she's asked like, oh, so he's still alive in your heart, you mean? She goes, yeah, that too. But also, this is the world I met him in. So he's in everything I see. And Subika responds that she knows the exact feeling and Yurizono is very confused. <laughs> and while they're talking about that, Lulu gets a phone call from Ginko who announces that they found Leia. Oh my god, who is possibly still alive. Yeah, this I mean, I know I read this first, but this was a twist that I'm like I'd completely forgotten about this. I have thoughts about this, but I'm going to save them until we are done with yeah, the chapters. I definitely have thoughts, too. Yep. So, Kali and Yurieka are on a three-way call with Lulu and Kureha and Ginko. And Yurieka is very insistent that Leia definitely died ten years ago. And Lulu protests that they never found her body. And... Kali kind of clarifies, or Yurieka kind of clarifies, excuse me, that even if someone could have saved her, she can't imagine that Leia would have lived and not tried to contact her friends mm-hmm. or her kid or her husband. <laughs> so Ginko protests that there's still a chance and either Kale or Yurieka tells her that she doesn't have to feel responsible for Leia's death. I thought this was Yurieka just because Kale, like only really is, is slightly out of frame like or slightly out of frame during this call but like yeah it could have been either of them i think it might actually be kale because if i'm remembering the previous chapters right kale is actually the one who says that to ginko in one and of that's true only, the only moments where she's been a good parent this entire story <laughs> she probably should have said that to her 10 years ago but uh well late now they're late than never Ginko protests that she really wants to see Leia, and she's sure that Kureha wants to see her even more. And Yurieka kind of goes, hey, you know, chasing after this is kind of going to be harder than if you just accept Leia's death, essentially. But uh, you really want to do this? And they're like, yep, we definitely do. We're going to look for her until we find her, even if it takes us forever. Also, I love that I did not notice this detail before. Kureha now has a little moon pendant mm-hmm. to match uh, Ginko's snore pendant. I didn't notice it's- that either. That's really cute. So cute. I like yeah. that the two of them in their bear forms, like, agreeing like this is a little reminiscent of, like, in the court scenes when they would ask, like, Lulu and Ginko, like, are you going to eat humans? And they would be like, yeah, we're going to eat humans. Fuck yeah, let's eat people. (laughs) And 
Yurieka relents because, hey, if they're sure, why not? So Lulu, Ginko, and Kuriha go to meet in front of the flower garden to pack their bags. And Lulu's a little bit absolutely too excited. And she's like, we don't need anything. Let's just go to the airport. <laughs> Which, you know, given her her battle plan for, like, confronting Ginko's mother was literally just, let me just hop a plane to a foreign country. I'll be fine. Yeah, I was just saying, that's literally what she did, so. <laughs> yeah, it turned out fine. So Yurieka does the very sensible thing of asking if the woman in the photo that Kuriha and everyone found looks like a human to Kale. And Kale goes, I'm not sure. And Yurieka goes, yeah, the picture is that small, I guess it wouldn't be easy. And Kale clarifies, no, I mean, I don't see the bears anymore. Twist. Which is kind of a moment for Yurieka. This is the most sober Kale's been in years. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yurieka's face is very telling there. Yeah, just like this moment of, wait, did you did you just like have a personal growth again? <laughs> And I didn't notice this time. <laughs> and it wasn't in the middle of like a big meltdown. <laughs> so as soon as, you know, Kale says that the two of them decide, you know what, we're just going to go to Estonia too. And the events of the last few pages play out. Lulu is very happy that Ginkgo has gotten very strong and she's very glad for her. And it must be because Kuriha became a bear for her. But she doesn't think that's the only reason. And Kuriha and Ginkgo hold each other's hands. Because even as we hold each other's hands, we know that the warmth will not last forever. This is a very Japanese sentiment of, like, things are beautiful because they are finite. So Ginko and Kureha reflect on their eventual mortality, but they realize that even if someday they are parted by death, they will never forget the love they have for each other. And we get shots of everyone getting their stuff together or going about their day. The life trio, Yurizono and Sumika, Kali and Yurieka, who are packing for the trip, and Ginko, Kureha, and Lulu as little bears meeting by the um, the flower garden to get ready to hop a plane. And the final words of the manga, even when we're alone, we're always together. And this is just a very cute little... It's a very cute picture of the three of them. I say that, that's not actually the last words of the manga. It feels like it should be. Yeah! yeah it's a very finality to it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like this page should have been the end. I'm gonna be real. This is like the second false ending we've had so far. Yeah, it, the problem is that like I have not had. I won't say I haven't had time, but I haven't kind of mentally kept up with running back to reread all the chapters right before the episode, so they're fresh in my mind. Which means that I'm going into this and trying to explain these chapters and going like, "Wait, that happens." <laughs> so. Everyone is excited and ready to begin their journey to find Leia. And they excitedly go, hey, let's go. And Lulu immediately goes, oh, hey, I forgot to give Sumika a change of clothes for little bear milk. Uh, You guys go to Estonia without you. And they're just like, uh, Lulu, it's literally a foreign country. This is not like we're going to the next train station over. She's like, that's eh, not so different, which Lulu, no. Not like this. You can go. You can be at OT3. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm curious how far Estonia is from Japan. Very far. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, like, I mean, it's gotta I mean, be it's at least, like, an eight-hour so... flight. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is like, they are going to be gone for, for some time. Well, I would walk 500 <laughs> miles and Google die. says that this is 7,804 kilometers, and in the little map illustration of the distance, you would basically be crossing the entirety of Asia and most of Europe to get there. So... Lulu kind of clarifies that without me around, you two can act like love verbs, which flusters Ginkgo very hard. Mm-hmm. And as she kind of makes a sad little smile and runs off, she thinks that she kept her promise with Milne. Aww. And she sees a group of middle school students near the boys' dorm. And one of them is saying that he doesn't feel like he'll be able to fit in and the other who we can't see because his face is cut off by the panel thinks says i'm at least gonna try i want to live in this city again so apparently they're touring the high school because they so for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with this uh japanese high schools are closer to what we would imagine as a college structure you have to actually apply to them and take tests to get in Mm mm-hmm So this is a group of middle school students essentially doing a tour of a future high school in the same way that a uh, an American high school student might tour a college they're looking at going to during break. So that's what's going on there. And that is why uh, Lulu specifically thinks they must be on a tour. And one of them says, I want to find my older sister. But that was 10 years ago, right? I hope she still lives here. Yeah, it was before my grandparents took me in. And I don't remember much from back then. Only the memories of my older sister are clear. Congratulations. Death has no meaning. Oh <laughs> Milne is alive. Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where <laughs> is your victory? Nobody stays dead in Bear World. So Milne is alive. And by sheer coincidence, Lulu has found him. I guess. Yeah, Milne this never was... died. He got rescued from the street after becoming a street pizza and brought back to life. And uh, we didn't find out about it because his grandparents took him in and only him and not Lulu. I'm assuming the idea here is that they like took him in like directly out of the hospital because of the way that their parents are obviously neglectful and just left them there. And I have a feeling that the, in universe, the idea is supposed to be that essentially the reason that they didn't take in Lulu is because she just kind of made herself into a feral child. Yeah, okay. That is what Which I was going to say is that if we recall the timeline of events, Milne gets hit by the car and Lulu just, she just like runs. She doesn't like check to actually make sure that he is alive or dead. She is just totally freaked out and she just runs. And the first thing that she does is she like basically packs a bag and hightails it to Ginkgo's to be like, Hey, can I be your maid now? So realistically, if Milne had survived, it is possible that like, their grandparents could have you know gone to the hospital and then when it was time to move Milne into their house like just nobody could find Lulu because she was at Ginkgo's house and nobody knows Ginkgo in her family so yeah admittedly like Ginkgo is kind of like next door to them so yeah but they didn't knock but they also have like a huge wall 
I don't yeah, think it's next clear. door. They're nearby for sure. Like they're definitely within walking distance for yeah, a child. Like but you'd think there would be like lost child bulletins and there'd be police looking for her and stuff. But well, like, I mean, that's getting into the weeds of it, I think. Yeah, I, I, I should probably clarify that like as much as I'm ribbing at this in terms of plausibility, it's more like I'm a little shocked at the narrative audacity of it than I am at the plausibility of it. Agreed. I have an uncle who I didn't know about until I was 13 because my maternal grandmother told my mom that he had died as a child. Oh my gosh. And it turns out she'd given him up for adoption and he contacted my mom after they were both adults and finding out that like his blood family was still alive. So you know what? I'm gonna be real. Stuff like this happens. <laughs> like, yeah. Mills says they're his grandparents. They may not even be his blood grandparents. Well, and I I find this less hard to believe than I do the Rhea thing because there is a, yeah there are far Agreed. few threads that can wrap or that can be sort of wrapped together with the Rhea situation than there are with Milne because none of them ever saw Rhea again, including Kareha's dad. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's really the, the narrative audacity here. It's just like, you, you thought I was going to make Lulu have to live with guilt or, or, or like, the, or not guilt, but a uh, grief. Ha fool. Yeah. Lulu will get to be happy. This is the timeline where she lives and Mill lives and everyone gets to be happy. Damn the consequences. I, the way, when you said that, I could not help but be reminded of the Doctor Who episode, The Empty Child. <laughs> when at the <laughs> end, then everybody lives, this time everybody lives. And therefore, also, when Stephen Moffat, I hate that I just spoke his name. I mm, do not like that man. Thunder anyway, just cracked in the distance. I know, it's like, you know, I joke about hating Ikuhara or whatever, but like, oh, no. Stephen Moffat, I have rage. I have deep-seated rage. <laughs> Stephen Moffat, meet me in the parking lot behind the Denny's, like... <laughs> God, he just doesn't deserve the dignity of a Denny's. Meet me at the parking lot behind the Huddle House, bitch. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that it's sounds like, better. That's a regional reference. It's like, wow. what if Waffle House was not was as good? Shit. Oh... Yeah, that seems more the vibe, but he's an author who, or like an, a creator who has no real, writer has no respect for death in a narrative and like just erases it and so it loses all meaning and therefore like the stories don't really hit very well and you don't really like care as much because it's like, well, it's fine. Oh, he killed off a character. That's fine. They'll probably be back. It's sci-fi. Think- People don't need to worry about the rules. It's. Just, a real thing that that man said. God, I despise him. I don't think this manga is quite Moffat levels, to be clear. Oh, but no, it's a not even problem. Close. But yeah. it's it's a it's a similar issue, and especially in the like the eleventh hour here, it's it's like I mean, I want Lulu to be happy. I am Team Lulu, but I think Lulu should be happy with her little her girlfriends as well as you know as her own person and all of that. And I'm glad for her, but. I, I, also, it didn't feel that much. Just the narrative audacity, like, I unkilled Milne. You can't stop me. Okay, we have so many <laughs> thoughts about the ending of this manga, and we literally have, like, a page and a final panel, so... Yeah, let, let's get through this last page. So, we've got Ginkgo and Kuriha at the airport, and 
the two of them reluctantly decide to go ahead without Lulu. They apparently were waiting on her because they were kind of hoping that she was kidding about the, the change of clothes for the bear doll, which I mean, it's such a transparently bad lie. Yeah. And Ginkgo kind of points out that there's literally two seats on the next available flight, which is kind of a sign and points out that Lulu does in fact have the resources to catch up to them soon, which like given that all of them basically probably have access to Yurieka and Kale's untold millions at this point. Yeah, that's probably fair. Lulu will come if she wants. And it's not like it would be the first time Lulu just decided I'm going to fly to a foreign country. (laughs) True that. So after deciding it's going to be fine, Ginkgo has a moment where she stops and reflects and Korea asks her what she's thinking about. She goes, I was just thinking you really are a bear now. Yep, that's right. And the ticket seller calls out and says that this is Yuri Bear Storm Airline flight to the unknown because the ending of this manga might just actually be metaphorical. And as Kuriha and Ginko lean in to kiss, the flight announcer calls, no one knows where the girls are going, but that's all right. No, we we know they're going to Estonia. <laughs> True love has the power to awaken and change the world. The end. The end. Okay. So <laughs> the actual end. Uh... So can we just have a moment here? <laughs> all right. I, I I feel like before we have the moment, we probably should just wrap up the the stuff so we can finish this goddamn manga that we love. Mm, well, okay. Yeah, we can do these these bonus pages before we. Because we'll get to ranting and then we will forget that we need to do the bonus pages. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, just let's get it all get it all done. Alright, Alice, tell me about this bonus chapter. Alright, the first one we have a splash page of which one is the is the Life is Beauty. Life Beauty. Okay. I always want to call him Life Cute, but he's not. I yeah, I always wanted to call him Life, Life Beauty. Durable. Which he addresses the he is addressing the audience. Thank you for reading to the end. It's the last chapter. The last bonus chapter. Uh, we get some cut scenes from different chapters. First one from twenty one. I think this is actually the only cut scene. The rest of them are like little meta yeah. scenes. This is actually kind of cute. It's a little four Koba style. Korea is trying to get her to take medicine, and I see if you don't want it, then I'll take your medicine. Just starts drinking it. And- Geeko jumps up and is like, hey, wait a minute, now I want it. And they end up accidentally falling into kissing each other, which is very Is that cute. what that it, happened? A... If you look at my notes, yeah. that's not what I thought happened. I, I think what's happening there is Kuriha goes to drink the medicine and Ginko goes, what? And Kuriha goes in and, and mouth-to-mouths it to her. Yeah, I think she's trying to do the kiss of life here. If you look at my notes, I interpreted this panel as Kureha giving the medicine to Ginkgo mouth to mouth like a baby bird. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. I don't know if that's what this is supposed to be. I think it is. That's that's how I interpreted it. Okay. I wasn't thinking like a baby bird, but more like, you know, when in like dramatic movies when somebody's dying and they did actually cut this from this the manga that is a, a great loss because this is genuinely pretty funny. I think it would have slowed the momentum of the chapter. Yes. So I think it's good that they just kept it back here. It's canon though. It happened. I mean, it's in the Korea volume. definitely gave Ginkgo mouth to mouth. Yeah, we just didn't see it happen. It happened off screen. Let's see. 
This page is called Katusha Akai, which I realized that actually Katusha is in the anime. She's one of the students and she yes. like dies pretty early. And I just did not associate her with Katusha in this version because we see her more in like the maid outfit than we do in her uniform for the high school. Yeah, this is just another four coma. It's just like um, the joke of it is basically that Lulu is kind of like, why do you always help out Eureka so much? And she's really psyched up for some kind of dramatic backstory. And then it ends up just being that their names sound cute when you put them together and they sound similar to her, which they don't to me. But also I'm not pronouncing them like a like a Japanese speaker would. Yeah, Katusha like got their passports together and stuff all for the trip. And when Lulu asks why she always helps Yurieka, she's like hoping like, could it be another Yuri love backstory? But no, it's just because they both have interesting names. And that's it. I think it's because like they're supposed they both have like Russian names or something. I can't tell. Um, we, have a, we have a four coma about Kyaru. I keep wanting to say Kawaru because my brain works. Well, I mean, it's it's like uh, from Evangelion. It's just a different spelling. Yeah. How they couldn't fit her into the manga story. And they're like, is she a student there in the manga universe? Yurika's like, yeah, she's over there. We point to, out the window, to her with hearts all around her eyes. I can't actually read what she's saying. She is saying, wa, Miss Hakanaka is looking over here. And then uh, Eriko, who is walking with her. You really like her, don't you? Says, you really like her, don't you? And it's, uh, she looks like you when you were younger. Not only does she look similar, she even wears her uniform in the same rumpled way. That's because a girl used to play around with got married to a man. She gave birth to a daughter who looked just like you. She dresses her daughter up like you and forced her to come here to the school. And Kyle was like, what's her name? was like, oh. That's so scary. That woman's tenacity is fierce. I feel like this trans, the translation of one of these speech bubbles is a little clunky because I don't feel like it properly gets across that this woman sought out a man that looked like Kale so that she could have a daughter that also looked like Kale. I'm glad that this is a canon because it is, it is a funny as a bit, but only in a four come a bit. I do wonder um, if the her being named Kaoru is um, uh, an Onisame reference, like Kaoru no Kimi. Oh, mm, interesting. Yeah, it had not occurred to me until literally reading this bonus chapter that they did sort of take Kale and split her character into Kare, who grooms Yurieka as a child, and Kaoru who Yurieka then sleeps with in the anime, canonically. I had erased that from my brain. Just reminding everybody that that happened. Ugh. The next one is a, another four coma that's just, um, it's just about President Girl and Sumika being girlfriends and people commenting on this and President Girl being like tsundere about it and says like you're wrong it's as if i date a girl like her and so he goes like that's right i would love the kuriha who's pretty and kind hey what do you mean by that i'm kind i'm kind and pretty too you know 
<laughs> I am choosing to believe in, and I have nothing to substantiate this, but I'm choosing to believe in my heart of hearts that Sumika is in fact ribbing Mitsuko intentionally when she says this and is not just <laughs> earnestly bringing up Kareha. It's a very anthe diss. I wasn't going to say, I did think of anthe. I wasn't going to say it, but yes, now that you've also said it, my interpretation of this is uh, in a very anthe manner. It's also, it's notable yeah. that the girls who were talking about Mitsuko and Sumika are Konomi and Uchiko, who still don't really have very much screen time in this, but it's fine. It's fine. Not important to this plot. Because <laughs> the next one picks up right as the other one ended. Vorkoma about the life trio kind of thinking about thanks to Mitsuko, Sumika's got over her unrequited first love. It looks like she didn't need us after all. As I, I was hoping she and Kuroha would become a couple of. Yeah, that might have been difficult. Ginko and Kuroha really do seem to be destined to each other. They acknowledged each other's existences before they even met. Literally before they were born. It was the world's first embryo Yuri, which... <sighs> this joke only works in so much as it does work in the fact that it is this character delivering it. Which I don't know <laughs> if that says something about this character or the joke. It's so I mean, funny. I think it's the, this is the manga artist taking the piss out of, your, out of Ikuhara's plots. I have to admit, I I do like the uh, UID <laughs> manga artist as a four coma artist. I'm kind of curious if she's actually done yeah. four coma before because her timing is definitely good. good at it. I, I really like the image of the two embryos <laughs> like floating in like the Anthe and Utana opening. The yin and like, yang the, posture. That's got to be a reference. There's no way that's not. A oh, reference. it's a hundred percent absolutely. And they they have like a little heart speech bubble for the both of them. And this is just another four panels just continuing that. We don't have to keep, we don't have to go through that. It's literally just continuing the joke. Well, yeah. It... Oh, oh no, there is one thing to mention here, actually. This is actually something I noticed that I wanted to talk about, actually, in our, in our afterward. Okay. Putting the daughters aside, love between mothers is just heartbreaking. The blood between the mothers is just heartbreaking, since they're both married. That complicates things, even if they could have had a sex, same-sex marriage. It's, I, w I was very surprised when I read this because I was not expecting the artist to just blatantly put a thing in here mention talking about whether or not same-sex marriage was like the legality of it in Japan in such a casual, offhanded way. Yeah. Because that's not really what I expect in a lot of Yuri manga for it to be a thing that people bring up. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, I have to imagine that these pages were included for the Tankobon release and not the like yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the serially published chapters. So it might be something that I don't know would be there was less risk of it getting getting in trouble or getting yeah. in trouble. Yeah, there's yeah. a little r less risk when you're putting it in the back of a published volume than you are like if you're trying to put it in a magazine. Yeah. I, I kind of like I might be projecting here a little bit, but the third panel here is this is life sexy. Oh God, life sexy. You can tell by the off. eyes because life yeah. sexy has like determined eyes, and life beauty has like big circle eyes. He's doing the big determined eyes. as sort of a three fourths kind of saying. It's so frustrating. I just want a world where everyone can cross the wall of severance and live happily. I might be projecting here, but. In a weird way, a bonus pa panel from a four coma in the back of the book 
feels like it is a direct message to whoever reads this about the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I I will point out that not only does this manga artist... So, Hannah found an uh, an article about this manga artist that she sent to us earlier today, and I got a chance to read it. I have not read it yet, but I'm going to. Apparently, she has had a very long career. She's written for a couple of different magazines, and this particular manga artist has a girlfriend, and her girlfriend is the artist who draws Akamano Riddle. So... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you've ever read The Riddle of Devil, take that and shove it in your mind cap that uh, that that's a thing that happened. Yeah, we're going to be talking more about Akiko Morishima in an upcoming guest episode, which is why I put that article in our group chat so I would remember to read it later. And I'm sure we will get into more of the the contents of that it's a it's an anime feminist article i love anime feminists they're great and also i will mention that i i am gonna go ahead and attempt to read everything that she has done that i can get my hands on oh you don't have to do that i just asked you to read conditions of paradise well no uh, and not even just not even all of it just the first volume (laughs) no no i I mean because i i'm interested because i really like your manga and I've she's somebody that I've known about but never actually gotten around to reading. Uh-huh. So this is an excuse for me. To, and it, let's be real, it's it's spring break next week. I, I'm not going to be subbing. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I need something to do. But yeah, this. Sorry, I just wanted to bring up that panel because that was an interesting moment with, for me when I was reading. Yeah, I like. I do think that you're not off the mark here in thinking that this is just Akiko Morishima looking at the camera and saying, "Legalize gay marriage, you fucks." Yeah, we might. And I, I might at some other point talk about like my weirdness about the way that that Yuri manga can approach real life. But we do not have time for that. Uh, what's that after can this? be another Mystery? episode. Hmm? I think there's another another one right after this one. Uh, well, I I would like to point out the very last panel. Life Beauty Uh-oh. says, uh, "I know. How about a world where women can have multiple wives?" And Life Sexy says, "That's a great idea." Life Cool says, "That world would be a hundred times happier and a thousand times more complicated." And thus, Akiko Morishima predicted transbian polycule culture. Christ. <laughs> One of us. One of us. <laughs> no, it's, polycule is such a outsider word. We prefer the term a Discord server. <laughs> <laughs> right there. <laughs> People always tell our stories. We never get to tell our own stories. And that's why everyone doesn't know that like the correct term is... That that's the correct term. Excuse me for my ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Alice, we have one page left. Yes. Hey, Kuriyab. This is a line. I want to immortal. When I die, I want this, I want this, like, this, this panel to be on my gravestone because it's the most baffling, incomprehensible, weird thing I've ever seen, which is, that was a memory from my distant past over a picture of the two, like, fetuses who are, who are implied to be Kuriha and Giko. Hey, Kuriha, were you a breach baby? Which is just the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. Oh, I'm going to cross-stitch that on an embroidery hoop for you. Well, in this case, it actually kind of made sense to me. Like, I guess yes. it's implying that, yeah, yeah, Kuriha was upside down, so in the picture, because they're in that yin-yang kind of formation. 
so it's just silly. <laughs> it's a joke about their posturing, yeah. I did not understand that, huh? I didn't... I knew what a breech baby was. I didn't know the term for it. So when I saw this, I was like, what does this mean? So when I looked it up and saw that it was, you know, when a, a baby is basically upside down in the womb, I... Yeah. I like this joke. I think it's great and hilarious and really good. Yeah, now that now that you've explained that to me, Abby, I actually do think this is a good joke. It's so good and so funny. Okay, I'm I'm willing to give it to yeah, to the author. That that is a that is a good goof. The Yurikuma manga, the goof that keeps on giving. And of course, they have the whole. Um, so you forgot. Uh, most people wouldn't remember to begin with. Yeah, I'm fine with that. What do you mean? In other words, even if I lose my memories, I'll always love you. Me too. And they're holding hands. It's very cute. It's very cute. Very cute. It's very again. cute. And we have our afterword. And we have our afterword. Very fancy little border again. And we have here, this is from Akiko Morishima. This may be my personal interpretation, but while watching Yuri Bearstorm, I sensed the theme of when a life ends, something is left behind. And I tried to incorporate that into the manga. Because your true love has the power to awaken and change the world. I use the word awakening at the end of the series not only for its literal meaning of to wake up, but also to allude to reincarnation and evolution. My small and modest dream is that when everyone wakes up from their own dreams, their worlds will continue to awaken. Also, I hope that Ginko and her friend's love will continue to shine brightly like a star in the night. Akiko Morishima. And they got three bears holding hands at the bottom. Mm -hmm. What a great thing to end on, though. It's really poetic. I like this, especially the line the, about the star in the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was it. That was the Yurikuma manga. What did we all think? I mean, I mostly liked it. I'll qualify that in a sec after everyone gives their own takes. I had a much more positive take on this manga doing it for this podcast than I did going in. Uh, I think it's very good. I think people should read it. It is obviously very different from the anime, but that is not a knock against it. Also, what the... Can we talk about Milne coming back? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be, like, kind of the same thing as Rhea coming back, I guess. Which... I think that... Well, hold on. I'm gonna ask Alice, what did you think? And then I'll get on my rant. I like this a lot more. My original reading of the ending of this manga was that it felt like they had accidentally set up this idea that queerness could only exist and this was was kind of equating it with being nuts. Oh. And hmm. I, yeah, so I was not prepared to enjoy this again because that's where I had been. Reading back, I understand why I had that reading and also don't really have it anymore. I can see um, how you might have gotten there, but I also don't think yeah. that that is the text itself. Yeah, it's. I don't think it is either. And I think, frankly, tying into the fact that we're talking about the end here, the fact that the end was so incomprehensible did not help me with... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can gets on a plane and it flies off to metaphor. I could speculate about what they're what what they're trying to do here in the end, and that would be fine. But it would not be if I do that. It's I'm gonna be off base to an extent. Like I think that it's probably safest to just say that the the ending of this manga is just kind of a sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. 
the bit with like where you get the whole like the real sin was doing this is good actually i actually really like that the part of it i don't like i even i'm okay with the bear thing now on the second time because like i could see how that could be read metaphorically in in way that is better than i originally did mm-hmm. but yeah um, still i i i'm glad you mentioned that because it's one of those things like i just remember the first time i finished it just being kind of annoyed and maybe that was because i just didn't like eureka and kali and it up together like i thought it was backwards for both those characters on mm-hmm. revisiting it i think i feel a little less so that way I do think there's a little more there, and they do show Kali changing a bit, but I still don't really like it. I'm allowed not to like it, and maybe I'm just bitter about it from the first time. Whatever. You are allowed not to like it. Thank you. But especially in combination, I think, with how messy this ending was, I think that's probably some of the issue I had. Like, it just, it did, I think it's because, like, a few chapters ago, right? Like, the beginning, the end of the last one and the beginning of this one, it was so strong. And it was, like, so thematically, like, tight and, you know, like, Cass went into kind of this whole reading of Ginkgo seeing herself as a bear and, like, mental illness and all of this stuff. And then you get to the end and it's like, I'm a bear too. And it's like, wait, that's not the narrative, like, how you've set up bears to work in this world. Like, it's a very, like, it's still not a literal thing, but it almost tried to be a literal thing. Like, it was very confusing and muddled. And while I didn't give it a disingenuous to think it was disingenuous right that they were like you know doing this thing that was actively like kind of like you know equating queerness and mental illness it i can see why that reading could exist because it's like very confusing what what is going on here yeah yeah mixed metaphors it's like you've been saying one thing the whole time and that's i think frankly one of the best things about this manga is the way that it's been setting up this more metaphorical like mental illness like introspective like it makes this adaptation worth reading, this kind of iteration, because it stands on its own. And then you get to the end, and it just felt like they were like, well, they both turned into bears at the end of the mo- of the anime, and that's really cool. So we want to do that too, but it doesn't really fit with anything else, so we're just going to throw it in there. And you know, let's just bring it right back from the dead while we're at it. Leia, we're just going to leave that plot thread to have our heroines go off into the distance searching for her. Like, I don't know. Anthe searching for Utena, question mark? I don't know. Like, you don't know if she's dead or alive, but... It's just not has good. One ending and he really likes it. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I I really wonder how much it was just her. I mean, like we said, there seemed like there were so many endings that would have worked better. Like, I feel like if they had just left out the Milne stuff and the Leia stuff and just ended it on Ginkgo, Lulu, and Kuriha together, bam, perfect, thematically tight. And yeah. that's not what we got. It, it felt a little bit like a ship tease. I'm gonna be real with you. Mm-hmm. Once again, we have a mangaka taking stuff from Ikuhara's ideas and doing something very cool while they're doing their own thing with it, and then sort of having to hastily tie back into the anime that this is supposed to be related yeah. to in the first place. I Yeah, I wonder how much of it was, like, plot beats that she had to do, and how much it was, like, maybe filling space. That's the only other thing I could think of. I was going to say, I don't think that in this case, like, there was any sort of pressure to just sort of, I think that in attempting to fill the space, she probably went back and, or, because like we said, this manga ended after the anime was done. So like, she had the whole of the anime to look at and draw from. And I imagine it was just trying to tie back 
more of the anime stuff into the manga while it was ending. May I provide all of us, including myself, a very admittedly tepid defense of what I think was trying to go for it? I would love Sure. To please, please. So you said earlier, Abby, you mentioned sort of this is a mixed metaphor, and I think you're right. I think that's actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think that this thing had been set up to be about mental illness and also sort of the weight of loss. And those two things are related enough that they read to us as one in the context of the story. They are interwoven, they're interrelated. And I feel like what was supposed to happen there was connected to the lost one as being a, I'm going to meet you where you are. And yeah. instead, yeah. because those things have been connected, we get a we, we get sort of a return error on interpretation there because mm-hmm. looking back, maybe it was a little less of a good idea if this is where we were going that we thought it was to tie those two things so closely because they are using the same metaphor and using the same visual language. And so when we're only trying to act on one of them, we end up acting on that. Yeah. It's the danger of of relying on abstraction so much because like any story that uh, runs on abstraction can use one symbol to say a lot of different things by like letting it kind of bleed together this way. But that also means that you might end up saying something you didn't necessarily intend mm-hmm. because of how flexible mm-hmm. the symbol is. Like one of the best examples of this working well is actually in Uthana with one of my favorite symbols in the entire anime, which is of course the stopwatch, which means everything. everything and nothing all at once Mm -hmm. the stopwatch is the arca and telos of all things oh gosh (laughs) fucking hell i actually feel like okay my feeling is about the end of this manga are kind of a little more mixed i will say that like it's weird that we're talking about this like akiko morishima made the the call here because we know that the manga was plotted by ikuhara Mm, so true. on some level, Ikuhara either wrote this or he signed off on this. So mm-hmm. it's it's worth looking at this as like also an extension of Ikuhara's creative vision and creative ideas. And oh yeah, like, I'll blame him any day. Oh for sure. Don't need to tell me twice. Yeah, and I think like in this case, this is Ikuhara using similar language to the end of the anime together with the story that's been crafted in the manga so far. And yeah. there's beats in here where it's like, I feel like maybe this the ending got a little too precious trying to parallel the the anime's ending too closely. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in the anime, Lulu and Milner also reunited. They're just reunited in death. Yeah. And Kureha and Ginko also fly off to an unknown fate, but it's more of a magical thing. And, you know, here it's like showing it like, this is this is the coffee shop AU version of all of those events. This is the ending of the anime you're familiar with as interpreted through the lens of slow burn coffee shop AU fanfic. Of course, there is a darker, more serious uh, implication here, Cass, that you've unfortunately landed upon. Which is? Doesn't this whole thing have have a big further up and further in vibe to you? Yes, it does. Uh, There is kind of a weird feeling of like, 
did they die? Is everyone dead? Oh. Has this whole thing yeah. been heaven and we didn't know? That they're bears because they're dead? Yeah, I don't think that's what's happening, but it's definitely here. I don't like that. I mean, you could you could actually read bits of this ending that way. Um, with Kuriha and Ginko literally crossing onto a threshold, there's been some stuff in the manga that, like, plays with death as an overt theme in a way that the anime didn't. Like, it's not not there, but especially if you're the kind of person who read the last battle six or seven times and you oh my exactly God. what Alice is referencing by further up and further in. Oh, I did not get that reference, but I do remember the last battle. I haven't read, read the last battle in like 15 years. Yeah, for, further up and further in is what, um, when everyone gets to Aslan's country, that's what kind of the rallying cry is they go further up and further in toward mm. the heights of it. Gotcha. And the, I get where Alice is coming from on that, because I think that's kind of how these things have blended together. I do kind of wonder, I, I'm going to blame Ikuhara on this one if I'm going to blame, quote unquote, anyone. <laughs> because this really does feel like the exact kind of ending he likes to do with his characters. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a lot more willing to give Akiko Morishima credit for the bits of this I like, because I think her art and kind of the subtleties of it have in retrospect, been the thing that's kept this manga as strong as it is. For sure. I also like, as I'm thinking about, you mentioned like parallels, like thinking about character parallels, like I don't know if it's worth thinking about. I mean, so Kale stopped seeing the bears, right? So both yeah. her and Yurika are on the same page now. And Kareha, you know, gave up being human to be a bear with Ginko. So thinking back to that kind of flaw de thing, is it like a kind of romanticization of that? That, you know, just, I don't know, like, it's just, it's such a think, strange thing. I will say that I think the implication there is that Kale has begun to heal. Yes, Kale has that's begun why. to go through the work of kind of self, that, of, yeah. of untangling all of the things that were messed up in her, you know, both because she was kind of a twisted person to begin with, but also because, by Rhea dying. And... Mm -hmm. By the way, I, I will say that it reflects, once you know that Ginkgo is the one who shot Rhea, mm -hmm. I won't say it justifies Kale being a bad parent, but the fact that she was as neglectful a parent of Ginkgo as she is begins to click as it's like, oh, mm -hmm. oh, you definitely had no idea how to deal with this and just failed, didn't you? Because it's a difficult situation to for anyone to process when someone you love very much is killed by accident by someone else you love very much yeah it's, it's interesting because we get to see kale heal in that way but then ginko there's kind of ginko and kuriha yeah. like is ginko going to heal and there's a question there and because i would say they're generally much healthier than yurika and kale that's what's so bizarre about it to me so i think in this case we shouldn't be thinking of it as like healing perhaps and more as like mm -hmm processing processing yeah yeah at the end of the manga kali has finally processed her feelings about Rhea and her death and she's actually able to see the world how it is yeah yeah she's able to kind of see the world how it really is or she's crucially she's able to see the world the way yurieka sees it mm -hmm. and you know by contrast kureha and ginko are both dealing with a lot of grief from the loss of Rhea and Ginko in particular is kind of, you know, racked by the guilt of I, I shot her 
so Kureha meeting Ginko where she is is kind of less, you know, I'm going into your delusions now, Ginko, and more, all right, Ginko, I'm going to meet you where you are, and I am going to accept, it's both I'm going to meet you where you are, and I'm going to accept, you know, what you are saying is reality as reality for your sake, but it's also I'm going to hold up this burden of grief with you and we are going to recover together. We're going to process that grief together. Which is still complicated to read because, well, the way that these yeah. this this, this yeah. uh, visual language has been used. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's perfect, but it's definitely the best I can come to. I'm going to be real. If the manga had ended on the panel after Kureha... If, if it had ended on the panel with Lulu, Ginko, and Kareha together, it would have felt like... I, I don't think any of us would have these questions. No. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I, I said I felt like we had two false endings. One, I thought that, like, just... I thought that the scene where Kureha decides to be a bear could have been a fine ending. The second false ending makes for a better one because it includes Lulu also. But uh, no, it just kind of kept going. Yeah. I hate to interrupt the flow of the conversation, but I have a bit of a pedantic thing to say about a previous thing that we already discussed. Oh? Okay, so we were talking about the authorship of the manga and... I guess it I don't know that I want I'm blaming well I'm blaming Ikuhara for all things but that's separate from this whether to blame one person or the other for like how I guess things ended and so throughout this conversation I've also been googling which is why I've been a little quiet and I've discovered that okay so the reason that we say that this was written by Ikuhara is because he is credited as like the author and then Akiko Morishima is the illustrator but if we also look at the Utena manga and the Penguin Drum manga the Utena manga was written by Bay Papas illustrated by Chiho Saito and the Penguin Drum manga was written by and Ikuni has given himself another little pen name here Ikuni Chowder Mm-hmm. and illustrated by isuzu shibata so it, it is hard to tell then we yeah. know pretty definitively that chiho saito was like a big influence on or at least like chiho saito yeah. was responsible for a lot of the ways that the utsuna manga diverges from its anime counterpart and so it is not necessarily a stretch to attribute a lot of the ways that this is different from its anime counterpart uh, to Akiko Morishima. And I have a feeling that maybe when we read some of Akiko Morishima's other work, we're going to see maybe some similar themes. But don't quote me on that. We'll get to that. Yeah. But anyway, other stuff. Luna has decided to pick this moment to squeeze through the door. Oh, yeah, nice. I think that's kind of where 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 I'm ending off in terms of thoughts. Does anyone else have anything they want to share? I, I feel like this, you know what? I would have been okay with all of this weird ending stuff if the manga proper had ended at the 
Lulu and uh, everybody, like everybody's bears now, where they're like with Sumika's Lady Kamaria and the Life Boys. And then if we had had like the we're gonna go look for Rhea and Lulu meets up with the not dead Milne as like an epilogue. I would have maybe been okay with that. It is weird for me that it is the canonical just yeah. end as opposed to like something post end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Any other thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you summed it up. Okay. Honestly, I've had that feeling as well. I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, there were some good endings in here. It's just the ending that actually happened was not the best one. Uh, if, we want to speculate it could be like Cass said to fill pages because they may have been contracted for like a certain number of pages and then she just happened to come to the natural ending of the story a few pages short yeah and it's it's hard because the manga has so radically departed from what the anime did Mm -hmm. like there's no real guidance there yeah 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 it could be that like Either she or Ikuhara wanted to do a thing paralleling the end of the anime. It could be a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, we just, there's really no way for us to know. Because even if we asked, he wouldn't tell us. Yep. He he would tell us the raccoon did it. I had some other stuff that I wanted us to, like, talk about and cover in this last episode. But honestly, we are running a little long. So what I think I might do is find a way to just incorporate that into a post-manga bonus episode. And with this, I am going to unlock the shackles that have kept Abby chained to this podcast. (laughs) and and say that you're free to go my friend and thank you for your contributions to this the coverage of the manga because i have very much enjoyed your your insight your bitterness (laughs) it's been great i know that sounds sarcastic i have enjoyed like your 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 have an opinion your passion and exactly managed to parallel on Kale the entire way through this manga. <laughs> Just like becoming the yin and yang to keep the universe in balance. It was an honor to balance you out, Cass. I, I really appreciated your perspective as well. Kale is actual garbage. Oh my god. Yeah, and I appreciated this as well. I feel like I have a better appreciation for this series after doing this. And I'm just gonna pick up Eureka and keep her safe and away from <laughs> everybody else well okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give a tease for the what is going to be in the other stuff that we're going to cover in a separate recording this is the all of the stuff that i'm going to be talking about is it was someone got a hold of the it's called the yurikuma arashi starting guide which is like a a book about the series or whatever. I don't know exactly what, like I assume it's like concept art and interviews and stuff. I don't know Mm -hmm. exactly what's in there because it's in Japanese and there isn't like a translation online, but a Tumblr user by the uh, handle soft Kakume was doing Mm -hmm. a translation of some of the stuff in the starting guide. And in the process, like I have the interview that I sent you guys a snippet of is 
from a post on their blog, which is a like partial bit of an interview that they translated from the starting guide. But also someone compiled apparently this person was posting on like 4chan about their reactions to like some of the things that Ikuhara talked about in or some of the things that were written in this starting guide book and one of the the most important thing that I would like to leave us with tonight is Morishima loves telling stories about older women and so has to constantly be checking herself so that she doesn't ma- accidentally make Yurieka the main character in the manga. God damn it. That's the manga I wanted. This woman is not enough for me. She's trying and I appreciate her. Friends reading the manga told her it was obvious she was putting way more effort into the scenes with Eureka and Rhea than anything else going on and she is trying to correct that bias. Oh my god. I I so appreciate you sharing that. Man, like, please just write... I want more manga by her with adult women. There is a severe deficit well, she's of that written, content. She's written several other uh, manga. I will link you to the anime fem- feminist article Please. that uh, we mentioned earlier. And so maybe you can check out some of her stuff and see if it is more up your alley. Man. <laughs> Man, I... That, that just... That just gets me. That just gets me so much. Like... Mm-hmm. Between her and Hiromu Arakawa, Fullmetal Alchemist, like, just drawn all these amazing women, like, you know, like, handshake emoji, like, with they, they me, did this I'm holding for you. my hands, and I'm thanking them. Yeah. All right. Wow, it, everything makes sense. Thank you for changing my life. I'm literally a manga. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a good note for us to go out on. So, listeners, if you would like to follow this show on Twitter, you can do that at cast and if you would like to follow me on twitter you can do that at mpandanata alice where can people find you online people can find me at lyrewolf on twitter which is l-y-r-e-w-u-o-f if you do i will i'm happy to talk about anything from pronunciations to um to anything i've said on the show so send me a dm and Cass, where can people find the podcast that you and alice do you can find Big Steppy, Alice and I's giant robot podcast, anywhere fine podcasts are sold. And you can find the Twitter account that we use to answer questions at SteppyCast on Twitter. Oh, a note on SteppyCast. If you are listening to this around the time it comes out, if you check it out right now, um, you may notice that we don't have all our episodes up. I accidentally let the, um, the SoundCloud premium lapse, so... That should be fixed soon. I apologize for that if you have seen it, that we're confused. Okay. I'm sure that you will have that fixed by the time this episode goes up. I believe in you. Yeah, probably. And uh, Abby, where can people find you online? You can find me at Abby Says Words. That's A-B-B-Y Says Words on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you would like to support this show, you can do that at utsinacast.com. That's where you can find our Patreon and thanks to our patrons after the follow-up episode to this the next episode we do well the next episode might be a guest episode but the episode after that will be when alice and presumably Cass and i all talk about wolf's ring so look forward to that a woo we're going to a woo at the moon gal gal everybody gal 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 gal. look for the